Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today I want to build on our last episode, which was about history shaping prayer, and talk about keys to building a powerful prayer life. Before we dive in, I wanted to let you know that right now you can join our Ellerslie Online Discipleship Program. You can register and have access to these powerful sessions through the middle of June. And we're doing this by donation only, so if you are not able to travel this year, it's not practical for you to come out to Colorado for a five-week or a one-week program, consider joining us for the online version of Ellerslie. It's really, really powerful for the times in which we live, and there are a lot of new bonus tracks and timely messages for all the things that we need to be built strong in as Christians today. Go to ellerslie.com to learn more. We'd love to see you in the program. Let's look at keys to building a powerful prayer life. I feel like as women, when we are dealing with problems or uncertainty in our lives, we often default to things like manipulating our circumstances or manipulating other people or maybe nagging, criticizing, complaining. That oftentimes happens in marriage when we're not happy with our circumstances there, or even things like just depression, anxiety, or emotional breakdowns when things are difficult or uncertain or feel unstable in our lives. But this pattern is just like that old hymn says, oh, what peace we often forfeit, oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. God has a very practical and simple solution when we are facing trouble of any kind, and that solution is prayer. It says in James 5.13, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. So if we are dealing with affliction or discouragement or uncertainty or any kind of trouble, God says, let him or let her pray pray. That's just not typically what we default to. And in fact, I've been in conversations with Christians before where they've said, you know, prayer is great, but it's just not a practical solution to my problems. In reality, prayer is the most practical solution to any problem that we could ever face. First and foremost, because we are laying our cares at the feet of Jesus. We are entrusting our cares to the one who is mighty, who is faithful, who is true, who can handle our problems far better than we ever could. And secondly, because God hears and answers prayer, as we talked about in our last episode. So I'd like to share with you today three keys to building a powerful prayer life. Now, whether you have an active prayer life right now or you're kind of thinking, you know, I'd like to become more of a prayer warrior, but I'm not really sure where to start, I hope that these three principles will really encourage you. Over the course of this podcast, I've shared the story in different episodes about how Eric and I used to pray fairly wimpy prayers. It was just kind of broad and general and just God bless everything and God help us with everything. But God really began to work on us a number of years ago about becoming bold and specific with our prayers. So going to God and saying, Lord, what would you have us be wrestling in prayer for and tapping into the grace of God to wrestle until the answer came, until the breakthrough came. And here are some of the keys that we learned in that season when we were transitioning from wimpy, broad, general, vague praying to bold and specific wrestling prayer. The first principle that we learned is to pray with all our might, and this really is just another term for wrestling prayer. There are so many examples in scripture of wrestling, and probably one of the most powerful is Jacob wrestling with God in Genesis 32, where he is wrestling with the man of God all through the night, and his statement is, I will not let you go until you bless me. And of course, that lines up 
with all of the examples that we see in the New Testament, especially Jesus, when he's constantly talking about how we should be persistent with our praying. And he gives these different parables about a widow coming to the unjust judge and a neighbor, you know, coming to ask for bread in the middle of the night. And because of their persistence, the answer comes. Another really powerful example in scripture about wrestling prayer is the persistent woman in Matthew 15, this Canaanite woman who was following after Jesus and asking him to heal her daughter who is severely demon-possessed. And she comes after him time and time again and cries out after him. And at first the disciples, you know, are annoyed with her and they, they finally tell, you know, Jesus, could you please deal with this woman? She's crying out after us. And Jesus appears to be completely ignoring this woman, just not answering her at all. And that's where most of us stop our praying. We don't wrestle beyond that. We just think, okay, God doesn't really want to answer. He's too busy. He's preoccupied. He's not interested. And we kind of back away. This woman did the opposite. She continued to cry out and follow Jesus. And finally, Jesus says, you know, I'm not, I wasn't sent for this purpose. I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she says, but even the 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 dogs catch the crumbs that fall from the children's table. And instead of rebuking her for that, you know, you would think, okay, first he ignores her, then he basically says no, but she continues to ask. Instead of rebuking her for that, he honors her for her persistence, her wrestling. And he says, may it be done to you as you have asked. And that is really very counterintuitive, I think, for most of us to go after prayer that way, because it's very easy to feel presumptuous, like, okay, if we're just asking God over and over and over again, you know, isn't that really kind of presuming that we know what God should do. But if we know it's something that God wants to do, if it's in alignment with his nature, with his character, with his promises, if it's a specific burden he's put upon our heart, then very likely he will take us through a time of testing our faith to see if we will give up or we will continue to pray with all of our might and wrestle as Jacob did until the breakthrough comes. I love this quote from William Booth talking about praying with all your might. He says, you must pray with all your might. This does not mean just saying your prayers or sitting gazing about in church or chapel with eyes wide open while someone else says them for you. It means fervent, effectual, untiring, wrestling with God. This kind of prayer, be sure the devil and the world and your own indolent, unbelieving nature will oppose. They will pour water on this flame. So he's saying this is the way we are called to pray, and yet there's a lot of opposition in our lives against that type of praying. Charles Spurgeon talked about how it's easy to default into a general kind of praying, but that kind of praying fails for lack of precision. He compares it to a regiment of soldiers that are just sort of firing off their weapons in any direction. He said, you know, maybe somebody, one of the enemy would be killed, but the majority of the enemy would be missed. And that's kind of how we are. In fact, I've heard people say, I don't want to be too specific with my request towards God, because what if he chooses not to answer? Isn't that going to shake my faith? One thing that I learned in this process of exchanging wimpy praying for wrestling prayer is that as I did so, my faith was actually built stronger. This was one of the ways that I began to see God's faithfulness so beautifully demonstrated in my life as I continued to wrestle for these breakthroughs, and then we would see the breakthroughs come it built our faith stronger. So really the opposite is true. Wrestling prayer and specific bold praying doesn't weaken our faith, it builds it stronger. 
learning to love prayer was definitely a process. It wasn't just that I went from, you know, these really wimpy, vague, unspecific prayers and that only lasted five or ten minutes to all of a sudden three or four hours of just crying out to God, bold and mighty and powerful praying. You know, it was a process to learn to love prayer. But as I continued to do this as a discipline at first, I began to love it genuinely. And my emotions began to line up with my actions where I really craved to be in the presence of God and laying my cares at his feet. And of course, as answers to prayer began to come, that caused me to desire and love prayer all the more. It's really important to realize that as you are laying your prayer requests before God, the answer does not always come immediately, but God doesn't actually want us to just let go easily. He wants us to cry out until the answer comes, continue to cry out to him and pray with all of our might. It says in 2 Chronicles 16, 19, that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And that is really a powerful concept that he is looking, his eyes are looking all over the whole earth to find those who are willing to wrestle, willing to go after him with all of their might. John Wesley said this, bear up the hands that hang down by faith and prayer, support the tottering knees. Have you any days of fasting and prayer? Storm the throne of grace and persevere therein and mercy will come down. And here's another great quote from James Gilmore of Mongolia. Cannot the same wonders be done now as of old? Do not the eyes of the Lord still run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those who put their trust in him? Oh, that God would give me more practical faith in him. Where now is the Lord God of Elijah? He is waiting for Elijah to call on him. So God really is looking for those who will not just give up after one or two tries, who will not just say, well, I guess God's not interested and walk away. He's looking for those who will be like that persistent Canaanite woman and not give up and continue to come and continue to press and continue to wrestle. Now, praying boldly and specifically can feel awkward and even unspiritual at first. I found that it was really helpful for me to meditate on all of the scriptures that pointed me towards wrestling prayer and realized that in doing that, in in praying that way, I was actually obeying God and getting in step with him. Jesus exhorts us in Luke 18, 1, that men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Now, of course, we have to be sure that what we are praying for is not of the flesh. It's not some selfish desire that God has, you know, no really interest. It doesn't really line up with God's purposes or his nature. But if we are praying for, say, maybe the the salvation of someone that is very important to us or a specific burden that God has put on our heart, and we know it's a burden from God, or we're praying for in, in some other way, God's purpose is to be accomplished or his promises to be answered, we can be relatively sure that we are praying in accordance with God's will. So a lot of us shy away and we think, well, what if I'm not praying according to God's will? But really anything that lines up with God's nature and promises and his word is according to God's will. 
Now, a lot of times the question will come up in this idea of wrestling prayer, praying with all our might. When do we stop wrestling? Obviously, Jacob eventually stopped wrestling with the man of God because the answer came. The, the persistent Canaanite woman stopped crying out after Jesus when the answer came. What I found in my own prayer life is that sometimes the answer will come in an obvious way, and that's when you know that the answer has come and you can stop praying about that specific thing. Sometimes, though, God will simply give me a peace in my heart that he has heard and that the answer is on the way. And I also need to realize that sometimes the answer isn't going to come in the exact same package that I might be expecting or even asking for. If you want to know more about that concept, I would encourage you to listen to uh, the sermon called The Two-Sided Ticket, which is available at ellersley.com, because sometimes God has something bigger that he's doing. And when the answer comes, it doesn't always come the way we expect it to come, but God will always do the very best for, for what his plans and purposes are for our lives. And we can stand in faith that when we have wrestled through, we have broken through, God has heard, the answer is on the way. We have placed that request in his hands and he will be faithful in his own perfect time and way. And that's what the old heroes of the faith used to call praying through. Some people would mock that concept of praying through, but you see it all throughout scripture. It's it's a really powerful concept of praying until God either gives you the peace that he's heard and the answer's coming or the answer actually does come. Now, what if you don't quite know how to pray about a specific need? So say it's on your heart to pray for this thing or that thing, and you think it's probably something God might want to do, but you don't know for sure if that's what God's asking you to pray for. Or maybe you have a specific burden or request on your heart, but you're not completely sure that God's placed it there. I would encourage you to pray according to that specific request or desire that is on your heart, but also with an attitude of surrender. So asking that God would do whatever would bring the most glory to his name. Lord, this is the request I lay before you. I'm going to wrestle for this, but if you desire to turn it in a different direction, I leave that in your hands. Otto Koning, who speaks, uh, he has a series called The Pineapple Story, and he was a missionary in New Guinea. He has a message called The Weapon of Prayer, and I was really impacted by this message because he he talked about an example from when he was on the mission field of praying for a very specific um, tribal native that was was very influential among the people and he felt like if this man could be converted to Christianity he would just have such an impact on the people and so many people would follow his example so Otto Konian had sent you know newsletters back home and had his picture printed out of this man that he was praying for and all of these people around the the world really were praying for the salvation of this man and he didn't ever come to Christ and he died at at an early age just sort of saying no I don't want Jesus and Otto was kind of confused like okay well we we wrestled for this we had so many people all around the world praying but then he found out not too long after that this man's brother, who had been just very quiet and kind of in the background but had been coming to the church services, actually had given his life to Christ and become a secret believer. And when he died, his testimony was had such an impact on the people of the village that it really, really made an incredible impact for the gospel. So what Otto Conian felt was that God had taken all of his prayers for the first man and kind of converted them into prayers for the second man, sort of like, I know this man isn't going to give his life to me. He's already rejected me. He's already made his choice. But I I know this other man is hungry. He's his brother. And I'm going to take all of that effort and energy that you're putting into prayer and and um, answer the prayer in a different way than what you're expecting. And so we see that a lot. I've seen that a lot in my own life where maybe the answer doesn't come exactly in the package that I w- was hoping for, but God always does 
exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. And it's oftentimes we don't always see the end of the story right away, but we can know that when we're wrestling for those things, those prayers are not in vain. So the second key to building a powerful prayer life is to pray without distraction. We've talked about this in different other podcasts, but it's just such an important concept because it's very easy to come to God with a distracted and divided heart, especially in our noisy world today. It says in Psalm 1611 that in his presence is fullness of joy. And I have found that spending time in God's presence, especially in prayer, brings such lasting joy and strength into my life that goes so far beyond the temporary distractions that cultural noise can bring into my life. And that was a hard lesson to learn because when I was tired and weary after, you know, pouring out all week in ministry or with the kids or whatever, you know, what we naturally desire is just to go brain dead. We want to be entertained. We want to get on social media. We want to just kind of turn off our brain and be be entertained or be distracted. And yet I found that when we go in the opposite direction, no matter how tired I am, if I say, Lord, I'm coming into your presence right now and putting that as my, my source of joy, my source of fulfillment, doesn't mean that entertainment is always wrong, but finding my source of joy and fulfillment in the presence of God has been such a game changer for me. And it is really helped me cultivate both a prayer life and intimacy with Christ that is without distractions. It's made such a difference in in really feeling like I have a powerful connection with, with Christ every time I come into his presence. A few practical suggestions for applying this to prayer would be to choose a time when you know you really won't be interrupted. Now, if you're a mom of young kids, sometimes that's a little unpredictable, but at least picking a time of day when there's a, a better chance that you won't be interrupted, even if it's just for five or 10 minutes. You know, I often tell moms who are raising kids that in that season of life, there's not always the possibility of spending two or three hours in uninterrupted prayer, but finding those key moments in the day, um, 10 minutes here, five minutes there, 15 minutes there, when you do have some quiet time and using that time to come into God's presence, even if it's just for a few minutes, rather than just mindlessly scrolling around on social media, that is such a powerful way to build your prayer life, even if it's in little bits and pieces. I would also encourage you to find a place where you wouldn't be as likely to be interrupted. That could be taking a walk outside or even a a closet in some cases where you know you can just be alone with God and you don't have people just kind of bursting in all the time or noises that will interrupt you all the time. Also, turn off your devices. Don't just, you know, be praying with one part of your brain and listening to the clicks and dings with another part of your brain, but actually turn all of that off and say, I have an appointment with the King of All Kings and this appointment is important to me. And keep your heart focused on Jesus as you pray. Sometimes it can be helpful to write down any possible distractions that may pop into your mind before you start praying so you don't have to think about them when you are praying. Maybe it's a list of things you need to remember to do, and those things always pop into your mind the minute you start praying. We'll make a list of them, put that list off to the side, and don't worry about it during your time of prayer. Just figure out the best time and place that helps you focus on prayer and really take it seriously. For me, I found it really helpful to walk around the room as I would pray as opposed to just always sitting still or kneeling because I would get tired and my mind would wander. But if I was moving, it really helped keep my mind more focused. Praying aloud was also really helpful for me so that I could keep my mind focused on what I was doing. Um, Prayer walks were really, really helpful because as I was moving, as I was looking at the beauty of nature, I could keep my mind so much more focused on who I was talking to, the creator. 
creating a prayer closet. I've had different times in life where I've needed to just have that quiet place in the house, just a little nook or cranny somewhere where it's quiet and I can just really focus. I also find that it's really helpful to write my prayers down like in a journal. And my prayers, my journal entries are oftentimes just prayers that I'm articulating. And I love looking back to see how God has answered those prayers. Also, praying with worship music in the background can be really helpful in keeping my mind focused and undistracted. And also finding a prayer partner, whether it's a spouse or a sibling or a close friend who has that same burden and passion for prayer, praying together with someone else is a really powerful way to pray without distraction. Here's a great quote from Ian Bounds, who wrote so many amazing books on prayer. He says, Our praying needs to be pressed and pursued with an energy that never tires, a persistency which will not be denied, and a courage which never fails. Now, that is only possible by the enabling grace of God, but it is possible, and it is something that we should go after. Now, we have to remember that we can't have energy for true prayer when we spend all of our energy on temporary distractions and cultural noise. So this is something that we have to, by the grace of God, discipline our life and our mind around to pray without distraction. So begin to ask God what that looks like for you specifically. And the third key that I have found so helpful with building a powerful prayer life is to pray with scripture. It says in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now, again, we talked about this in the last principle that a lot of times we don't know whether or not we're praying in accordance with his will. And when we pray with scripture, that is one of the best ways to know that we are praying in accordance with his will, because we're basically praying in accordance with what his word says. And some of the things that you can find in his word would be praying for lost souls, because it is his desire to rescue souls, or strength and provision and health for the calling that he has placed on our lives or provision for every good work that he has called us to or protection from the enemy's attack or fruitfulness for building the kingdom of God or Christ-like character to develop within us or for victory over sin. In all of these areas, you can see so many scriptures throughout the Bible that indicate that these are things that God is behind. So if you have specific needs or burdens that you're praying about, I would encourage you to find scriptures that undergird those requests and meditate on scripture and stand on those promises of God while you are praying. It's sort of the way of holding God to his word. It reminds you that you're not just praying praying your own ideas. When you pray through principles that are important to the creator, you have so much more boldness and confidence in your praying. Now, one side note on this is that we have to know scripture in order to pray with scripture. So a lot of us are just very ignorant of the word of God because we've never really spent time studying it or memorizing it or immersing ourselves in it. I would encourage you to memorize key verses, to listen to audio scripture, to immerse yourself in God's word on a daily basis, if at all possible, and ask God to show you then specific scriptures that apply to the things that you are praying for. Here are a few final thoughts on building a powerful prayer life. Remember, you do not need to have prayer all figured out before you start praying. Remember that Christ said in Mark 10, 15, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. I really believe that some of the most powerful prayers are the simplest ones because he honors childlike faith. So don't feel like you have to have your whole act together before you start building a prayer life. Just take the first steps forward and God will meet you there. 
Remember, it says in Romans 8, 26, that the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. It says we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And I find great comfort in that scripture. If you don't know how to start, just take one burden that's on your heart and begin praying specifically for it every single day. Pray diligently, pray with scripture, and pray with expectation. It can feel hard to begin powerful prayer times, but once you start taking those steps forward and building prayer into your life in this way, your life will never be the same. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. Remember to visit ellerslie.com to learn more about our Ellerslie online program that is happening right now for a limited time, or go to setapartgirl.com to look at all the many resources that we have for you there on building a Christ-centered life. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-focused week.